Hello everyone, time once again for Cinema Soft Underbelly. I'm your host Eugene Weaver and if you're listening then you know that this show is all about horror movies and all about fantasy movies and the crazy stuff that a lot of people don't enjoy but I do and I'm sharing them with you and in the hopes that you'll uh, maybe find a gem in the rough, something that you may like Uh, and if you don't, hey, you at least gave it a chance. So, the last couple episodes I have been focusing on Dario Argento and his huge body of work that he's been doing for many, 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 many years. His first movie was 1970's The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and his latest movie is Dracula 3D, although he uh, he's doing a fundraiser-type thing for a movie called The Sandman, uh, which is it's one of those trying to get the fans to chip in money and support you know the funding of the movie. So... Um, that's going to be interesting. I Because I spent the last two episodes on the movies that I liked, uh, for now I'm going to kind of wrap things up with Ar- Argento for the time being uh, and talk about some of his lesser uh, quality movies, uh, just some stuff that that was watchable and, uh, and then maybe a couple of real duds. Uh, I'm not going to... I'm going to kind of breeze over them just so you know maybe what to look for and what to avoid. Uh, it... it just so it's not like oh well here's a here's a Dario Argento movie from nineteen or from two thousand nine that sounds good I'll I'll get to those that probably not so I'm gonna kind of breeze over some movies but at the very least I'll I'll uh, I'll fill you in on a couple slight gems here uh, I for some reason I noticed uh, to me Dario Argento's last true borderline masterpiece was 1987's Opera. And um, it still has yet to have a Blu-ray release, which is surprising because it's a it's first and foremost it's a slasher film with Jalo undertones, which I, of course I love. It's a bit long-winded, uh, but there is some fantastic set pieces in this thing. And once again, like I've talked about on other Argento movies, um, some of the acting is kind of hammy, but it works to the film's advantage as being just. It makes it feel more bizarro, and this is one of the last ones that I I thought that that type of acting actually benefited from that from that wackiness. Uh, in later movies that he's done, it just seems like you're watching a movie with bad acting. The end. So, uh, Opera has a classic cover. I love the front cover of the movie on DVD uh, with a girl with her eyes taped open with needles. And her mouth uh, taped shut, like she's being forced to watch a murder, and that's what the movie is about. She uh, she's this young opera star, and she's being forced to just periodically she gets captured and tied up, and then she is forced to watch uh, people murdered. And then there's a reason behind it, and the reason behind it is uh, it's that one of the reasons why this is a little bit lesser for me is it was kind of it, it could have been a better a better whodunit type of thing. Uh, but it's still good. Um, it's it's interesting that the ending of the movie is actually inspired by the ending of Thomas Harris's uh, Red Dragon, which is just very, very bizarre to me. Uh, Dario Argento did not like Michael Mann's uh, Manhunter, the first adaption of Red Dragon, uh, which was... 
which had a completely different ending from the one in the novel, uh, but he was a fan of Harris's novel. So anyway, the the actual, the real ending of Red Dragon uh, from the book was more faithfully adapted in the, in the 2002 movie. But anyway, that's something to look for if you do watch this movie. That is something to see. Um, so anyway, uh, Orion was the one that, that, uh, that released this stateside and they wanted Argento to cut the, the final scenes, uh, in the Swiss countryside out of the film and Argento refused, which, uh, anyway, it's, it, it's bizarre. And honestly, I can see why they would have wanted that cut. It was odd. Uh, but you know, uh, Dario Argento makes some odd movies. And, uh, so I, I can kind of understand the, uh, the studio wanting that to be changed. Uh, anyway, there's, of, of course, the music is still great in this movie. Um, again, one of the last truly great or borderline great Argento movies. And I wanted to include it here just as a, it's not as good as the other six that I talked about, uh, but it's very worth watching, uh, just for the artistic purposes of the movie. There's great camera shots. There's some gr- some really great startling violence in it. And it just, it, it works for what it is, but there is some, definitely some flaws in it. So uh, that's Dario Argento's opera. Um, okay. And I'm just going to kind of move on here just to cover as, as much as I can. Uh, after that, he did Two Evil Eyes, which I've already talked about Two Evil Eyes, if I'm not mistaken, on a previous episode. I bang these things out so much that I kind of forget. But Two Evil Eyes was a segment with George Romero. There was It was two somewhat short movies, basically an hour, like 45 minutes each. And Argento had the second half, which was The Black Cat. And I thought that it was uh, his segment wasn't as good as George Romero's first one. But it was still really good. I really enjoyed what it was. Harvey Keitel was good in it. The actress that he got to play opposite Harvey Keitel was terrible, and she actually took me out of the movie. If it wouldn't have been for the fact that she was uh, the main protagonist in this movie, uh, I think that it would have been much, much better. I would have been very impressed with it, actually. I thought it was really well done, but just the the choice for her as... uh, as the the second lead was was not good. I'm not even gonna look up her name because she was terrible. Uh, but however, it was still a cool movie, uh, and it still felt like a Dario Argento, a little bit old school Argento type movie, and I liked that. Uh, next up, and you know this is I think the first Dario Argento movie I ever watched, uh, and that was 1993's Trauma. And I watched this back when I was working at a video store in Little Millersburg, Ohio. Uh, the guy that I was working for, he got this movie, and uh, and then he was the one that actually told me about Dario Argento. Oh, you've never seen Suspiria and Deep Red, and I'm like, what? No. And so he's like, well, here's a new one that's coming out from him. It's called Trauma, uh, and I got free movies when I because I worked there, which was fantastic. I loved that. I would go home with stacks and stacks of movies, and that's actually. Uh, well, that's not what got me into movies, obviously. Uh, that that opened my eyes to so many more movies, and that was the reason I like the movies that I do. Are stems largely from working at that store. Uh, that like my love of European horror and Japanese and just other culture type movies stems from me working there and just taking home anything and everything on the shelf just to experience something different or to 
to see what else was out there. And because of that, I, I, I credit working at that little store, the Video Connection in Millersburg, as to why I fell in love with Argento's stuff and Lucio Fulci's stuff, um, Rogero Diodato, and all those, all those cool Italian directors from back in the day. Uh, he had the big box VHS tapes of these things, uh, Make Them Die Slowly and Zombie and Buried Alive, and just all these cool... Cool, cool movies with awesome covers that I'm like, there's no way that that's good. Actually, yes, there it was. It was great, and I love that. So I think that was really cool. Uh, Trauma. This was the first movie that Argento cast his daughter, Asia Argento. And uh, I'll tell you, this is another Giallo movie. Uh, Tom Savini did the effects on this movie. And this is one of those movies that I have a... a uh, how do I say it? I have a stronger love of the nostalgia of this movie versus how it plays out now. Uh, it, it Argento was very much trying to venture into American filmmaking with this movie, and it actually, other than a couple of scenes of quirky camera shots, it's very much, it, it does very much feel like an American movie. And that's something that I do remember, uh, especially re-watching all these uh, Dario Argento movies through the years is trauma does not feel like a Dario Argento movie. It feels like a uh, an American slasher movie, and that's kind of what it is. And the storyline is actually really good, um, but if you're looking for a Dario Argento movie, it doesn't have that same feel. Uh, the color palette is not what you're used to in an Argento movie, where things are bright and garish and and saturated. This is all murky and gray and. Uh, and he does that, I'm guessing, deliberately, because it doesn't feel like a, like a Argento movie. And even the fact that he got Tom Savini to do the effects, which I thought were, were quite good, uh, they didn't have the same feel that his older works did in Italy. Uh, there's something about the way the Italians used to do special effects. Some of it seemed quite fake, but it was so outlandish and gross and over the top that you're like, oh, this is such a cool... This is such a cool Italian horror movie. This was starting to get more into like trying to do things a little bit more realistic. So the violence was not overdone. Tom Savini's work was fine in it. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I watched this movie to begin with was I knew who Tom Savini was. When I was working at the video store, even before then, I, I was a kid that grew up looking at Fangoria magazines. And so I knew who Tom Savini was. I'm like, ooh. Tom Savini's got another, you know, he's making another movie, because even by the 90s, Savini wasn't doing near as much work as he had in the 80s. And that's, by the way, not the rabbit trail, but that's such a shame. Uh, I think that that's where he shines. That's his sweet spot. I wish that I wish that he would just continually make awesome special effects, uh, because something about his effects were so good, and they still are. They still stand the test of time. But he did the special effects for, for Trauma, so there you go. Uh, this has a couple other name actors. Piper Laurie is in this. Uh, Storyline is a young man tries to help a teenage European girl who escaped from a clinic after witnessing the murder of her parents by a serial killer, and then uh, they, they try to find the killer before the killer finds them. So it's your typical, you know, it's a slasher-type thing with some giallo undertones, just like Dario Argento is known for. Uh, anyway, uh, there's, there's some notes on here. Um, they declined, uh, the Goblin declined to do the music uh, because they wanted something, the American producers wanted something more American sounding. 
And uh, Goblin said, nope, no thanks. And that's another reason why it just doesn't quite feel like the old school Argento is because uh, it doesn't have that music. So uh, anyway, it, it is a good movie. I really like it. It was the first first Dario Argento movie I ever watched. So for that reason alone, I think that it, it's a worthy uh, a worthy addition to his to his line of movies. Uh, now I'm going to talk about one real quick here called the Stendhal Syndrome. I was so excited about this movie because this is in 1996, and by this time, uh, I was really into his stuff. And I hear that this movie's coming out, and his daughter Ossie is in this again. And I saw pictures on in Fangoria of disgusting, cool-looking effects, and uh, they were using these newfangled things, this newfangled thing called CGI, and it's going to be great. And then it came out, and it disappeared immediately, and... Troma of all people picked up the release on DVD and Blu-ray. Well, mainly, or not, not I'm sorry, not Blu-ray, VHS. And the first time I watched it, it made me look terrible because uh, Troma is notorious for back in the day their VHSs looked terrible. Uh, they would pack their VHSs and DVDs so full of of Troma crap, like tr- previews and their own fluff, that the compression was so high on on movies themselves that you could just tell that they were they were poorly done and you know full frame and not always the uncut versions well this movie did not get a good release uh, however I did watch it and that's one thing that Argento movies the way they're filmed they should be seen obviously any movie should be f- seen in the original way they were shot which is generally widescreen or anamorphic all that good stuff uh, but this movie here it, it's two hours long and honestly there's about an hour and twenties minutes worth of great movie in here and by great I mean really great followed by 40 minutes of just why what were you thinking this was so good uh, Argento's daughter I think was very good in this movie uh, but oh man it goes on and on and on and then there's a great there's a great ending to the movie and it happens a good 20 25 minutes before the movie actually ends and then it just drags on and on and on. And it just kills the movie. It kills it. And it's unfortunate. Because the storyline itself is quite interesting. Um, uh, I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray. I actually have the Blu-ray because I'm a collector. So, yeah. But it, it Blue Underground did release it in beautiful, uh, beautiful widescreen. Uh, remastered and it looks great. Uh, but this is an interesting storyline. When beautiful police detective Anna Manny follows the bloody trail of a sophisticated serial murderer rapist through the streets of Italy, the young woman falls victim to the bizarre Stendhal syndrome, a, hallucinar- a hallucination phenomena which causes her to lose her mind and memory in the presence of powerful works of art. Trapped in this twilight realm, Anna plunges deeper and deeper into sexual psychosis until she comes to know the killer's madness more intimately than she ever imagined. Uh, so, anyway, that's that's the storyline to it. Uh, unfortunately, instead of awesome practical CG or practical effects, we get into silly, really poorly done CGI that doesn't work. Not all the time. There's some great stuff in here, but there's enough. There's enough poorly rendered CGI that you're like, oh, ouch. It just it just yanks you right out of the movie immediately. And it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Uh, honestly, there's almost like there's two movies in one here because there is two very different storylines going on. And uh, it just doesn't quite work for me. Um, 
having said the CGI was meh, it was the first, supposedly the first movie in Italy that actually used CGI. So I'll give credit to Argento for wanting to, uh, wanting to, you know, do something that hadn't been done before, but yeesh, it, uh, it just didn't quite work for me, in, in my opinion. So, uh, Interesting storyline. It should have worked, and it could have worked, but they needed a better editor on that thing. So that would, I mean, that one there, I guess I give it a begrudging thumbs down. It should have been better, uh, but I've watched it a couple times. I own the Blu-ray, so, you know, there, there's that. After that, uh, he picks up steam a little bit with a movie called Sleepless from 2001, and uh, this movie is full-on trying to capture that Jalo feel of Deep Red and Tenebrae uh, and his earlier Animal Trilogy from back in the early 70s. And uh, I've watched this movie several times, and I quite enjoy it, even though I have to look past uh, some of the pretty bad acting. This movie here, now we're getting into bad acting that pulls you out of the movie instead of makes you, like, oh, this is, you know... There's that wacky Italian acting. This acting starts to pull you out. Even though there's a really good storyline in here. It's a very intricate, uh, well-laid-out Jalo-type movie with some extremely graphic violence. This thing is very graphic. One of the most graphic of all of Argento's movies uh, is this one here. In fact, I, I have the DVD of it. I really, really wish that I would have a Blu-ray of it I believe the only Blu-ray thus far that has been released has been overseas, uh, Germany possibly, in a limited edition. Uh, and unfortunately, now its Blu-ray seems to be slowly going the the way of the dinosaur, and it just stinks because there's so many movies out there that I would love to see uh, that that are not going to be getting a streaming release anytime soon. I would guess this is probably one of them. So anyway, uh, Max von Sydow is in this, and. He's he's great. He's one of the best parts of the movie. He's very very good. He elevates mediocre acting around him. He definitely uh, elevates it somewhat, and that's good. That definitely helps the movie. Um, I'll read the uh, synopsis here real quick. Uh, let me just find it here. Uh, there's a. Uh, Let's see here. There are a couple different synopsises. A retired detective with insomnia is called upon to solve a series of murders. His partner is a fresh-faced rookie who has the aid of the latest technical technological equipment to help solve the crimes. Will they catch the killer? That is very much um, brushing over what the movie is, is really about. But this is another one of those where if you don't really know what's uh, going in beforehand, that's good. Because it is a whodunit. It's a murder mystery type of thing. And, uh, so it, it works. I, I think it's definitely better than Stendhal syndrome. It's, uh, uh, if you can find it uncut, that's the only way to watch this movie because the art version does, uh, does cut out a significant amount of violence. And there's a scene on the train towards the beginning that is classic Dario Argento. It's enough reason to watch the movie just for the train scene with this woman being stalked on a train. Uh, it could have been made into a short movie and it would have been fantastic. Uh, it's it's everything that I like about the uh, 70s and early 80s Italian slasher movie. And it's there and it's it's so good. So uh, it gets a thumbs up from me. I do I do like Sleepless. It's flawed, but it's certainly watchable. Um, so... Next up 
is a movie called, uh, let's just see here. Oh, okay. I did actually miss Phantom of the Opera, uh, which I did not see. So I cannot comment on that movie. Uh, Julian Sands stars in it and uh, Asi Argento again. And of course, this one here, if you know what it's about, because it's called Phantom of the Opera. So not a whole lot of mystery there. Supposedly, this is more of a silly slasher movie uh, that a lot of people hate. The budget was actually $10 million for this thing. That's significant, especially for uh, for an Argento movie. The uh, the actual original cut of the movie ran an hour longer than its already hour and 45-minute runtime. So that was almost like an epic-type Argento movie. I, I would like to see it sometime, but I've never got around to watching that movie because of the bad reviews. But watch it be one of those gems of his that I actually end up really liking. Um, next up is the card player. And this one here I watched one time and I enjoyed it for what it was. But, uh, again, he's trying to recapture now at this point, he's trying to recapture that old, the old, the old, uh, magic that he had back in the seventies. This is another Jalo type movie. This is way more mystery than anything else. Uh, police procedural, a lot more police procedural. Eh, it's okay. Uh, I watched it once. I remember almost nothing about it. The storyline was okay, but it it needed more. It needed more violence. It needed more of what makes an Argento movie good. And and for, unfortunately, it, it wasn't there. So for that reason, uh, it was a one and done more than likely, unless for some reason it. I can pick it up on Blu-ray. It's not even on Blu-ray, but if for some reason it would ever be released on Blu-ray for the, for cheap. I think there was a good storyline in there. Uh, the storyline here is a Rome policewoman teams up with a British Interpol agent to find a crafty serial killer who plays a taunting game of cat and mouse with the police by abducting and killing young women and showing it over an internet webcam. Uh, so it sounds cool. I mean, it's a it's a good good enough storyline. Uh, I remember bits and pieces, and I remember thinking, yeah, that was okay, I guess. But, eh, nothing, again, nothing recapturing the old glory, and uh, certainly not as good as Sleepless, in my opinion. Next up is uh, Do You Like Hitchcock? And I watched that uh, one time, and no, no, it didn't work for me. It was slow, it was boring. Uh, college film student obsessed with the works of Alfred Hitchcock investigates a murder committed in the apartment building across from his and suspects that his seductive neighbor hired a girlfriend to commit the deed. Uh, I remember almost nothing about this movie. Uh, it, it, uh, if it would have been really good, I would have remembered it more and I don't. So, and again, I can't really comment on it a whole lot because I don't remember it a whole lot. Um, um, I, I'm looking at notes here. There's the the killer wears white gloves instead of black. So there you go. That's something, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we've spent too much time on. Do you like Hitchcock? Moving on. Uh, next up is actually a pair of of uh, short movies that get a thumbs up from me. We've got. Um, let me just find them here. Masters of Horror. He did Jennifer in 2005 and Pelts in 2006. Both of which are good. The, uh, that series, Masters of Horror, was so hit and miss. I would say out of all the episodes on each season, there was only two seasons of this show, 
that half of them were were really good and the other half were pretty much complete duds. And Argento's, I'm happy to report, both were good. Jennifer was uh, very disturbing and sexually fueled about this mutant-type girl that takes over this family, and it's just bizarre. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, Pelts, the second season, I think Meatloaf was the main star of that one. And that thing was just insanely gory. I remember the acting was so-so, but the storyline was so unique, and the gore was so out there. I mean, it was graphic. I'm like, all right, this is Dario Argento. This is the Argento I know and love. So those get thumbs up. Keep it in mind. This is from the mid-2000s now, and the budgets weren't big. 45 minutes to an hour long each. They were what they were. I enjoyed them certainly better than the last couple movies that he had done. Next up is Mother of Tears, the last of the Mother's Trilogy. And uh, this one here... um, this one here was, the, on first viewing, I thought it was fantastic. I'm like, yes, that was great. Uh, it was gory, and it was part three of the of the of Suspiria and Inferno. And uh, upon rewatching, it's like, oh, man, come on. It's a little too long. And it's, again, trying to recapture that, that cool early 80s, late 70s stuff that he was doing, and it just doesn't quite work. Although I, I appreciate the fact that he finally did bring the Mother of Tears or the, the, three, mo- the three Mothers Witch Trilogy to a close. There is some fantastic gore in the movie, uh, but, man, it's just... Uh, there was too much silliness in it, too much bad acting, and the bad acting, unlike some of his other movies, it just draws you right out of the movie. And it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate because there was a good movie in here. Um, I'm going to read the synopsis real quick here. Ancient urn is found in a cemetery outside of Rome. Once opened, it triggers a series of violent incidents. Robberies, rapes, and murders increase dramatically while several mysterious evil-looking young women coming from all over the world are gathering in the city. All these events are caused by the return of the head witch, the last of three powerful witches who have been spreading terror and death for centuries. A long Alone against an army of psychos and demons, Sarah Mandy, an art student who seems to have supernatural abilities on her of her own, is the only person left to prevent the Mother of Tears from destroying Rome. It is very ambitious. I remember the last time I watched it thinking, this is ambitious. This was a budget of $3.5 million, and it was what they tried to do was almost more than what the budget allotted for. This was a big-budget-type movie with without the budget behind it. Um, honestly, the best thing I can say about this movie is the uh, the gore on in store for you on this movie is so good that it's definitely worth a watch. This does get a thumbs up, by the way. It's just, it should have been so much better. It was, uh, it's just unfortunate. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's it was a shell of what he had been doing back in the 70s and early 80s. And the last movie that I watched from him is a movie from 2009 called Jalo. Adrian Brody, of all people, is in this. And, um, yeah, there's this thing. Um, Adrian Brody replaced Ray Liotta, uh, of all people. And this is Argento's first theatrical directorial feature that isn't based on an original script by himself. 
but the script was actually written uh, for him. Uh, Vincent Ga- uh, Gallo was initially set to play the role uh, of someone in this movie. I, I, I have to be careful what I say about the movie. But uh, after he is actually, he used to be engaged to Asia Argento. And uh, so she quit the project because uh, she was pregnant. And so anyway, um, there was a big thing on this movie where I believe that, Dar- or that uh, Adrian Brody sued the filmmakers because he didn't get paid uh, on the back end. And he is totally phoning it in. That's the one thing I remember about this movie. It's another one of... It's a Jalo to obviously. It's called Jalo. He's trying... I mean, Argento is trying to hone in on what he was good at back in the 70s, and it's just... It doesn't work. Adrian Brody is not good in this movie. He's phoning it in. Boring. Um, it, there's very little to recommend in this movie. I remember watching it and for 90 minutes thinking, come on. Nothing here is making this... Want, make me want to like it. It's slow paced. It's just lazy. Lazy is the best way to describe this thing. It felt lazy and it was. And, uh, so after that, supposedly, and I haven't watched it because everybody says it's so ungodly bad. Dracula 3d was released in 2012. And I don't think I've heard of one single person that have liked, that has liked that movie. Um, that stars Rutger Hauer, I believe. Um, uh, I see Argento is in that one. And, um, yeah, I have no opinion on that movie because I haven't watched it, although I, I'll i be hard-pressed to actually watch it because I, I hear it's bad. So, anyway, that's for the most part. That's going to wrap up things with Argento. I want to move on, and I've got other stuff I want to talk about in, in following episodes. So I just want to wrap everything up there and just throw a whole bunch of Argento your way, and one of those may stick, and you might watch it and be like, wow, that was cool, or, boy, thanks for... Thanks for steering me clear of that thing. Um, but anyway, I've had a good time doing the Argento stuff. I really appreciate what he does. I appreciate his body of work. Yes, he has some duds, but he has more wins than duds. That is for darn sure. And I fully support what he has done and that the guy is continuing to work. I sincerely hope that uh, he still has one or two really, really good movies left in him. The guy is not young anymore. Uh, and I would love to see one fantastic classic Argento movie left in him. I think that would be great. So, anyway, that's going to do it for me today. You can get a hold of me at eugene weaver at hotmail.com for any questions, concerns, movies I should watch, movies I should avoid, like the plague, movies I should talk about on the show. Um, and also, feel free to check out uh, the other show that I'm on. That would be Movie Freaks. We're over on YouTube. Go find us over there. We're a blast to listen to, trust me. And of course, Cinema Sidekicks. Uh, I'm, I always have to, uh, give props to them too. They were doing this podcasting long before my, uh, co-host Eric and I were doing it. So props to them. Love their show. Great listen. Uh, that's going to do it for me today. Again, I appreciate you listening and until next time I'm Eugene Weaver. Thanks.